the history of this nation, called, chosen, beloved of God, whom Yahweh saw as his wife, is such an important lesson for us. These things are written that we may learn about God's ways, how he likes to do things, that we may be warned that persistent disregard, disobedience or violation of his commands will bring rebuke and eventually discipline because God never changes the way he does things. We're living in a day when it is said there is no absolute truth and indeed the scriptures are not considered to be absolute truth by many who profess to believe and the Bible is open for debate and discussion. This does not change the fact that the Bible is absolute truth and it is the word of God and one day judgment will come if we persistently ignore the warnings contained in it. Our finite rebellious minds dismal lack of understanding and spiritual blindness cause us to commit the same sin as Adam and Eve as the whisper did God really say causes us to compromise the truth water it down and make it fit our own desires. What happens then is that we're free to live as we choose without restraint or fear of our conscience bothering us. We've persuaded ourselves that there's a loophole through which we may climb. Or, because we are not under the law but under grace, we can live as we please. What we've actually done is conform the truth to our version of it. Galatians 5.13 in the Amplified For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh, and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another. There is no freedom apart from abiding in him and yielding our desires to his government. So intimacy is first on our list before anything else, because out of that close, loving relationship comes a desire to be holy, set apart for him, and walk in purity as we walk humbly with this great God who calls himself our friend. And there is an ease and an ability to do everything and accept everything because of our love for him. We walk in the light as he is in the light. God is immutable. He never changes. What he was he is and always will be. He's a God of love and grace. And he's a God who examines us. He looks at us closely. He judges and will ultimately judge. Jesus is our saviour, our king, our shepherd, our friend. And at the end of the day, he is the judge of all men. Because Father has given all judgment into the hands of the Son. John 5.22, New American Standard. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he's given all judgment to the Son. Let's move on then to heeding the voices of the prophets. A vital function of the prophets has always been to provide God's people with a clear vision of their divinely appointed identity, destiny and purpose in any age. 
because without such a vision they will inevitably stumble and fall. Literally, quite literally, they will perish. In this present age there is a resurgence of the prophetic office which marks God's intention that his people should hear what he is saying. In his book The Final Quest, Rick Joyner spends a long time with Jesus in the Hall of Judgment. And Jesus says this, When I appeared to Joshua as the captain of the host, I declared that I was neither for him nor his enemies. I never come to take sides. When I come, it is to take over, not to take sides. I appeared as the captain of the host before Israel could enter her promised land. The church is now about to enter her promised land. And I am again about to appear as the captain of the host. When I do, I will remove all who have been forcing my people to take sides against their brothers. My justice does not take sides in human conflicts, even those of my own people. What I was doing through Israel, I was doing for their enemies too, not against them. It is only because you see from the earthly, temporal perspective, you do not see my justice. You must see my justice to walk in my authority, because righteousness and justice are the foundations of my throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Beloved of God, no matter where we are right now or where we think we are, we have a long way to go before he can entrust us with the powers of the age to come. Rick Joyner again. I can only trust you with my supernatural knowledge to the degree that you know my heart. The gifts of the Spirit that I have released to my church are but small tokens of the powers of the age to come. When you know my heart, then the eyes of your heart will be opened. Then you will see as I see, and you will do what I do. National deafness and lack of spiritual insight and understanding was the undoing of Israel, despite all the prophetic warnings. And that was what finally brought down the downfall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. After the city had been totally destroyed by the armies of Babylon and its inhabitants taken away captive, the prophet Jeremiah said this, Lamentations 1.9, New King James Version. She did not consider her destiny, therefore her collapse was awesome. And Jesus himself lamented over her, Matthew 23.37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem! the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Whatever the type of discipline or judgment God imposes, he always gives grace first, and the purpose is always restoration to himself. Grace is the opportunity to change, to change our minds and direction from turning away from the living God to turning back to him and following him. He delights in his people and it is a source of anguish to him 
to have them disobey him to the point where he needs to mete out some degree of discipline or judgment on them. He takes no pleasure in this. It was because of ignorance of his ways that Israel failed so dismally to recognize when God said something, he actually meant it. He'd said to them, you meet the conditions, I'll meet the promises. But in their persistent willfulness and hardness of heart towards them, they ignored him and stored up trouble for themselves. It was not God's intention they should wander in the desert for 40 years, neither was it his intention that the first generation be buried in the sand. He brought them to the border of the promised land within a short time of their departure from Egypt and he was fully prepared to take them in. But they were full of unbelief and yearning for Egypt and unwilling. So he appointed a year for every day that the spies were in the promised land for them to wander and die in the wilderness. Here we see the grace of God in action. For if this undisciplined rabble had been allowed to go into the promised land at that point, their enemies would have picked them off and all Israel would have died at the hands of their foes. God wouldn't have that. In his great grace and mercy he trundled them round the desert for 40 years until a new breed of Israelite had come forth rather than lose them to the enemy. They died before him. At the end of the day, the measure of our surrender to full obedience will be the measure of our confidence towards him and our ability to be childlike and trusting in our relationship with him. If we were to trace Israel's history, we would see exactly the same thing. The very thing God said to them, please, for your own safety and God and good, do not do this, they did. Jeremiah 1 16 NIV I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me in burning incense to other gods and in worshipping what their hands have made the very first thing number one is do not forsake him and worship a god other than Yahweh God himself their husband by covenant beloved spouse he says don't go there but they couldn't resist the lure of the nations around them and they fell into idolatry, bringing God's righteous judgment upon them as a nation. Don't leave me. The first and greatest commandment which God gave Moses to give the nation on Mount Sinai. Don't leave me because I'll have to do something about it. The warnings went unheeded. Exodus 19, 3-8, New American Standard Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. 
So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. The bride says, I will, to the proposal, and the marriage covenant is sealed. Verse 8. All the people responded together, All that the Lord has spoken will do. We'll do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought back their answer. Please note they agreed to the terms of the covenant willingly. Exodus 24, 7 Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. Can't read anything else into that. The people said, we will obey. It sounds as though everything should be hunky-dory then, but if. Right in the middle of Exodus 19, there is a little word, and that little word is if. This makes the covenant conditional. If you obey, these things you can be certain will come to pass. If you do not obey, then there is a penalty clause. Israel, I mean business. You are saying yes to me, and if you keep my covenant, you will be my own peculiar people, my possession. If you do not keep my covenant and obey my instructions to you, the law of sowing and reaping will come into effect. You have been warned, so let's settle it. Me first, okay? Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Number one, first on the list, First commandment, before you do anything else, love me with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and then go on to do other things but first and only love me. Later, Jesus himself when asked by the people what they should do said this, Mark 12:30, NIV, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Later, he says of the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. Love is always the number one issue with God. His one desire that his people may love him for who he is, not for what they can get out of him. If they love him, everything they need will be supplied. One of the problems with human beings and covenants and the real reason why Israel failed is that they found the terms too restricting, too demanding. They infringed their liberty, so they thought. So they tried to sidestep them and give God something else. Isaiah 1 verse 13 NIV God speaking Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Offering God an alternative, beloved, never receives approval. Ask Cain. Because the covenant was first of all relational, it was also all-embracing. 
He wanted to be part of everything in the lives of the nation, not just some. He doesn't do timeshare. Nothing, so far as he was concerned, was outside of the covenant, which was all-inclusive. He would be with them every step of the way, so it covered all the physical, moral, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, vocational and relational aspects of life. The deal was an all-inclusive package. He gave Israel detailed instructions on how to keep themselves in fellowship with him and pointed to the day when the greatest sacrifice of all would come. History tells us that this first and greatest commandment turned out to be the one over which Israel stumbled. Time and time again it was the major reason for God's discipline. Spiritual adultery. They left their first love and out of that came everything else. Her problem was this wife who had everything. She didn't know her husband in intimate union, communion and fellowship. So she looked elsewhere. Something else other than him filled her heart, captivated her and finally brought her down. Before you judge, consider this. This is one of the things Jesus has to say to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2 verse 4 But I have this against you. You've left your first love. Ephesus means desired one. The desired one had allowed her love for Jesus to cool. She'd fallen away. She was sick and didn't know it. Ephesus had heart trouble. I just don't love him anymore. Honeymoon love had eroded into routine married life. The thrilling flush of the newfound conversion experience had dissipated into the mundane and routine. So she found something else to occupy the place in her heart where he should have been. The Ephesians' love cooled in the same way as Israel. Israel's devotion to her husband has somehow seeped away. She was a wife who had everything, his house, his car, his money, but her eyes looked lustfully on the nations around her. She wanted what they had, turning her back on the one true God. She sought worthless idols in the imagination of her own heart and bowed down to them. Jeremiah is given instructions in Jeremiah 2.24 which graphically lays out how God sees it. How can you say I'm not defiled, I'm not run after the bales? See how you behaved in the valley, consider what you've done. You're a swift she-camel running here and there, a wild donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing the wind in her craving. In her heat, who can restrain her? Any males that pursue her need not tire themselves. At mating time, they'll find her. Do not run until your feet are bare and your throat is dry. But you said, it's no use. I love foreign gods and I must go after them. Earthy, that bit. You are on heat, Israel, and up for grabs. Anyone can have you. When God talks about an intimate relationship, it's closer than we think. It is as close as the marriage bond between the husband and wife who become one flesh. 
his desire? That he might be spiritually one flesh with his people, his wife, his bride. Intimacy, into me, see? Melded, one with him, no longer two lives to be lived, but one. Vine, branches. Intimate. Jesus' counsel to Ephesus is, remember the height from which you have fallen, repent, change your mind, come back to me, return to intimacy with me, your bridegroom, or I will remove your lampstand, I'll put your light out, I will remove your witness from this place. It was exactly the same as his counsel to Israel. Today, there is no church in Ephesus. He has removed their lampstand permanently. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for correction. God never counts the time when we're out of fellowship with him. So if you've been saved for 20 years and you've spent 10 of those years wandering out, around and out of fellowship, he doesn't count them. He only counts the years when you were in intimate, loving relationship with him. Isn't that kind? He's never going to sit you down and say, now let's talk about those years and what you got up to. Discipline and judgment are part of God's dealing with us. But the intention is always to restore, to bring us back into fellowship with him. It's never punitive and harsh. It is only as much as he decrees necessary to cause us to repent, to change our minds and turn back to him. He knows what he's doing. Hebrews 12.5 My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you. He never sends judgment or discipline of any kind without first giving grace and that grace is in the form of increasingly severe warnings. Right now, the world is seeing an increase in natural disasters, famine, flood, earthquakes. Beloved of God, we are in a period of grace before the final judgment of God upon unbelieving man. This study now would not be complete without looking briefly at the law of sowing and reaping. Because, beloved, what we sow we will reap as surely as day follows night. There comes a time when God says, I want you to grow up. I actually give the enemy less and less credit for what I see because what I observe in the body of Christ is more often than not the law of reaping where we have sown. Psalm 18, 20-28 says this, The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands he's rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God, 
turns my darkness into light. He deals with us, beloved, according to our righteousness and the cleanness of our hands. When you double deal with money, keeping change in the supermarket when it's more than you should have, and protest when they overcharge you, when you pretend to prophesy or try to look like something you're not, when you hurt another's reputation, the list goes on and on. Beloved, the time will come when he will call you to account. There is one who knows all things. Hebrews 4.13 The anointing is no substitute for righteousness. Don't try to impress people. Be yourself. Give the peace that God has given you and be at peace. Salvation is not the issue. Salvation is by grace. We're talking about maturing, growing up into all things in Christ. Can you say to God, deal with me according to the cleanness of my hands? Every one of us is part of the whole. It's time to stop trying to shoulder others out the way. There is enough for all of us the world is crying out for a different Christian. Will it be you? Finally then, what's this all been about? Beloved, it is that we may seek him for others, for the unsaved, for the nation, and know that he will hear us. The way is open for us to stand before the throne of grace in time of need. 2 Chronicles 7 13 and 14, you'll know this one. If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, we've been in drought in this country. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, the crops are not going to come as they should. Or if I send pestilence among my people, Germany, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. This is about humbling ourselves, turning from our wicked ways, praying, seeking his face with clean hands and a pure heart, then he will forgive us, hear us, and heal our land. Our nation is in desperate need of healing, and God desires to heal it. We are the salt. We are the light in this world of darkness. It's through our prayers and the prayers of his people, committed and obedient to his will, that he will do it. So test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. 2 Corinthians 13.5 in the message. Let us then both examine ourselves and humble ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And if we are, let us pray with confidence that God will stay his hand of righteous judgment over this nation of ours. We are its only hope. God hears the prayers of his lovers. He cannot do anything else because they are close to his heart, hearing what he wants to do on this earth and asking him to do it. Prayer rises from the heart of a lover like incense. It exists in the soul that has been purified by the fire of love, a heart without idols. Will you pray with me? Living flame of love, 
you desire purity within. My heart beats a yes to your desire for me. Purity of thought, purity of speech, purity of life, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control and mine flowing from your presence within me. Have your way, beloved flame. Consume the dross, refine the gold, that all may see the Christ in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And there's just a list now of uh, the books that I have referred to. Uh, the first one was Humility by Andrew Murray. The next one was Let Go by Francois Fenelon. The third was Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, James MacDonald. What Is There About No That You Don't Understand by Judson Cornwall. And the fifth one was The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. All these books are available from Amazon.co.uk.